0: Welcome to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Wellness, that's wellness with an E on the end, which is my new personal care line of hair care, oral care, and now deodorant. Our newest product that I'm so excited about is our all natural deodorant that's built on my recipe that I have shared on the blog and have been using for over a decade. It works better than conventional alternatives without the harmful chemicals or the pore clogging But unlike many natural brands, we make sure to use the exact right balance of natural odor blockers so that you get the protection you want without any irritation, itching, or annoying rashes. We formulated it with only EWG safe ingredients and it's EWG and B Corp certified, meaning it's a safe, natural, and effective solution for the whole family. We also have hair care including shampoo, conditioner, and dry shampoo, as well as a full oral health line, including three types of toothpaste, toothbrushes, and now floss. Check these and all of our amazing products out at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. This episode is sponsored by Native Path, and in particular, their grass-fed collagen, which is my go-to right now. I like using collagen because it helps replenish the body's natural collagen levels, which can decline with age, and our modern diets are often low in these important compounds found in collagen that we used to get in larger amounts from natural sources like broths. Collagen is great because it's a super convenient and easy way to get these benefits. It's flavorless, and it dissolves easily in hot or cold liquids, so it's easy to add to coffee, soup, smoothies, or really any food or drink. And every scoop of Native Path grass-fed collagen is consistently formulated with 10 grams of the highest quality grass-fed type 1 and type 3 collagen, which are the ones that make up 90% of all the collagen in our bodies, which is critical for maintaining skin, hair, nails, lean muscle metabolism, digestion, and so much more. So check out a special deal on Native Path grass-fed collagen by going to wellnessmama.com go native Again, that's wellnessmama.com slash go slash native collagen. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this episode is all about peptides, hormones, aging backwards, and saving relationships I am here with Josh Whalen, who is an expert in some of these topics. He's the founder of Blokes and a new company called Joy, which is J O I. And he, through his own experience, uh, started feeling not great. And he had low energy, lack of focus, dwindling drive, and a lot of other issues. And he reached out to find his own answers to this. And it led to what is now a business helping a lot of people do the same. And we talk about a lot of these things today a fun story about how he's met two of the most recognizable people in the world. And then we go deep on how we can drastically improve the divorce rate in the U.S. by optimizing couples hormones and how he learned this from his personal experience, why 10 to 20 percent of relationships are sexless and how this can be remedied, steps to testing and optimizing hormones, the four major hormone markers we should be looking at, what peptides are, and how we can use them to our advantage, including a couple really fascinating new ones, some simple factors that can make a big difference in optimizing hormones, the peptides he takes on a regular basis and recommends, and so much more. So without further ado, let's join Josh. Josh, welcome. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Katie.
1: I'm excited to chat, and we're going to go deep on peptides and hormones and some other topics. But before we do, I always send in my research for these episodes questions about unknown facts about you. And you have one that you've met two of the most famous or recognizable people in the world. And I am so curious to know who they are.
0: All right. One is a famous Beatle, uh, Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, and the other is Elon Musk.
1: Wow. Definitely two recognizable ones. I bet those were cool experiences.
0: Yeah. One was backstage Coachella at Out- Outcast. Obviously that was Sir Paul McCartney. And there's a really funny story behind it, but we don't have enough time. And then the other one was uh, Super Bowl uh, with Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers in San Francisco. And I uh, ran into Elon Musk and I got a selfie with him. I think I'm one of the very few people that got a selfie with him. I've never shared it per his request. But if Elon Musk is watching, I have a selfie with you, buddy. (laughs)
1: That's really cool. Well, also in that list of questions, I left us in the question. If you were going to give a TED talk in a week, what would it be about? And you responded that how we can drastically improve the divorce rate in the U S by optimizing couples hormones. And I think this is actually a perfect jumping in point for some of our conversations today. So I would love to just hear your kind of 10,000 foot overview of why that's the case.
0: Well, uh, it starts with me personally. One of the reasons I started blokes. uh, And then joy came to be is my wife pretty much said to me, Hey, Josh, if you don't get your hormones dialed in, you don't get your sex drive dialed in, uh, I'm going to divorce you. So I had an ultimatum in my relationship. And, you know, eventually I I figured out how to get those dialed in, but it it allowed me to do some research into the, into divorces. And I didn't realize that, but anywhere from 10 to 20% of all relationships are sexless which, you know, can't be good for any productive relationship. Secondly, you know, I just, I, after my personal experience, after getting my hormones dialed in, I realized how important the sex drive was and how much it was satisfying my partner and her needs. And I think every relationship should do that before they start going down that route.
1: I'm curious what that actually looked like. Cause that, that statistic is pretty staggering. And I wouldn't even guessed it was up to 10 to 20% of people. And this seems like as you said, it would be a big problem. What are some of those steps or how do people begin to even start addressing that?
0: Well, I think the first part is just being honest with yourself. A lot of times I think uh, in a relationship, partners are not uh, fully cognizant of your other partner's needs. For me, it started with my wife giving me a huge nudge and, and that was going to see a physician. And my, my process was probably different than a lot of people's. It wasn't that great Uh, but getting your hormones checked, getting baseline labs, really understanding what the heck is going on. Because a lot of times people are going through these problems. I call them chronic issues, not acute issues, meaning it's happened over time. Um, And there's a lot of things that can affect a man's, you know, hormones and a lot of things that can affect a woman's hormones. And you just may not know it. But starting with baseline labs, being really honest with that person who you're sitting in front of, whether it's a nurse practitioner, or a physician's assistant, or, or an, an actual physician, but being honest about where you're struggling in your relationship.
1: And on that note, I think we're luckily in a time when getting lab testing is easier than it has been in the past. And there's much more availability of this than perhaps previous generations have had, or at least more easy easy availability. But there are also stats quoted, for instance, that men today have a third of the testosterone than their grandfathers at the same age. And you've talked about normal ranges. And I've run into this too, in the thyroid realm of you might end up with labs that look like normal ranges by today's standards or among the people getting tested. But this doesn't always necessarily give you a, a complete snapshot of information or tell you anything about optimal. So let's talk about how sometimes looking at normal ranges can keep us from getting the answers we're looking for.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. First and foremost, anytime you get a lab test, it's a snapshot in that one particular time. And there are so many factors that can be affected. Uh, you know, for men, we always advise our men to not have their testosterone checked within 48 hours of sex because it can drop substantially same thing with working out and the same thing can affect women. But at the end of the day, anytime you're doing a blood test, it's a snapshot in that time, getting into ranges. It's, it's one of my pet peeve in healthcare. And it's, it's really, it's really, really hard to, to measure somebody's performance or their optimization when you're being across a standard of, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of different people that are getting that same lab test. So, um, you know, talking about optimization, I think is an extremely, extremely important thing. Nobody wants to live in a range. And when you start talking about those ranges, they're so vast. I mean, looking at the men's uh, testosterone range, it's somewhere between 300 and a thousand nanograms per deciliter. And comparing those two is like comparing a Ford to a Ferrari.
1: That makes sense. And why are men's testosterone levels decreasing and so drastically? This seems like a really quick time period for that to be happening.
0: Yeah, and, and you you pointed out a, a a really good stat that your audience should know about: a fifty-year-old man thirty years ago has thirty percent less testosterone. There's a multitude of factors, and and we were just talking about this last week in really really deep in-depth conversations. But one is environmental factors, the plastics that are you know around us that are in our system. Uh, you know stress, pollution, guys are working out less and less, um, women taking more of an active role in the household plays a factor in that. Guys are just less masculine, H- healthy lifestyles all all those things play a major role in why men 's testosterones are dropping, but it 's not just one it 's a multitude of factors.
1: Yeah. And on the lab testing and the normal ranges side, like I said, I experienced this in the thyroid realm where I knew something was wrong. And I went to multiple doctors and asked for tests and found out they weren't testing the entirety of a thyroid panel. They were just looking at a couple measurements first and that they would say, well, those are within normal range. And When you do deep dive, you realize that normal range is actually determined by averages of people who get tested. People who get tested are people who think that they might have an issue, and typically people who are elderly. And so the normal ranges are often not telling you what a young healthy person needs to feel optimal. They're telling you what is considered clinically problematic for someone in the elderly population. And so I think understanding that at least is a good starting point for delving deeper into what actually is going on. I think also maybe something that you ran into women typically from my understanding are more likely to go to the doctor and be proactive and speak vulnerably about what's going on and it seems like guys can have trouble or, or be more reluctant to do that. What do you think are some of the reasons there and or ways to overcome that?
0: Well, I it's it that's just not, you know, speculative response. It's actually true. Men are 25% less likely than a woman to go see a physician. Uh, I read a stat that Men 18 and older haven't seen a physician in 40 or 45% less likely to see a physician in a year than a woman. I think, you know, this is another one where there's a ton of different noise and there's a ton of different factors. But I think the thing for me that resided the most is that when we're young boys, young men, we're told to deal with pain, to not be vulnerable. And I think that carries over when you have decades, when you're in your twenties, your thirties, your forties and fifties, and all of a sudden you have pain or, or maybe something doesn't feel right. And you're just less apt to go to the doctor. There's plenty of reasons, like maybe a bad experience, maybe it's financial, you know, means, but the one that resides with me the most is that when we're very, very young as men, we're just less likely to, to deal with pain or even show that we have pain.
1: That makes sense. And then ironically as an interesting corollary to that. Women weren't even included in medical research until 1993. So we have men who are reluctant to go to the doctor and women who are trying to go to the doctor, but can't get answers because most of the research was done on men. And so there's obviously some things that I think a lot of people like you and like many awesome doctors out there are working to overcome some of these now known issues that we have when it comes to testing. But I think understanding this is the first step toward improving this. And I'm curious both for you personally and what you recommend for people who maybe are identifying some of these similar problems. What are those first steps to testing and to improving those levels? Is it hormone optimization therapy? Is it other like more interventive diet lifestyle stuff? What kind of approach do you take?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of different factors. Uh, some of it depends on your age and, and where you're at. Some of it's just being honest. I mean, you know if you're doing good for your body or bad for your body you know, smoking cigarettes is obviously not good, you know, drinking alcohol on a repetitive and ongoing basis is not good. Uh, But if you, if you feel that something is off, it probably is off. And I think the first step is, is getting baseline labs and, and that can start with your primary care that can start with any functional medicine expert. Um, It can start with, you know, somebody in the hormone space. And And if it truly is hormones, you should be seeing somebody who's extremely dialed in and an expert in hormones. And I always tell patients whether they're going to us or not, when you're going through this process, understand the position that you're sitting across. And if hormone optimization is a very big factor in and their practice, because if it is, then you're probably you're likely in good hands.
1: Another interesting fact I learned from you in researching this episode is that men's hormones can actually change in response to their partner, especially during pregnancy. Can you explain what's going on when that happens?
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is a this is kind of a funny one because I and my wife and I, we had major fertility struggles from the time I was 35 to almost 38. We had four miscarriages and this was the onslaught of my hormones just, you know, going down and I had no idea why. So afterwards, I I, I did some research on my own. I started talking to physicians who specialize in hormones uh, and there's four major four major markers you should be looking for. One is testosterone. Uh, Another one is estrogen. Another one is prolactin. Uh, And the last and certainly not least is cortisol. All those can change as your partner is going through pregnancy. Men's testosterone can decrease as much as anywhere from 40 to 75%. Their cortisol levels could go up. Their estrogen can actually increase as well, which could lead to belly fat uh, and just different mood swings. And then prolactin, this is kind of an interesting one, but obviously prolactin is a great marker for women because it helps aid in, uh, you know, breast milk. But for men, there's some studies that show that it actually helps aid in in the fact that it makes them more alert as a father. So all those things played a major role in me, my, my testosterone levels. I wished I would have known what they were before as the baseline. And this is why I tell so many guys and, and women this, um, but I, I can tell you where I started and my hormone journey was, you know, below 300 nanograms per deciliter, which is considered hypogonadism. And for a guy who's in his mid thirties, that's really, really low.
1: Wow. And. When we're talking about now understanding these normal ranges and why we want to focus on optimization and not just baseline normal that's potentially from problematic populations to begin with, what are some of those factors that we should focus on for optimization, especially people who kind of, who want to perform at a high level?
0: Right. I mean, when, it, when you talk about hormone, it's testosterone replacement for men, hormone optimization for women when we talk about replacement that's truly what we're doing we're talking about what we feel you should be there at a certain age whether you're in your 30s your 40s your 50s most guys that come to us we're we're focused somewhere between 800 and 1200 nanograms per deciliter there's other things that you can do just just in general you know have an active lifestyle get out in the sun more often you know eat healthier get rid of the plastics in your house you know, focus on stress. Focus on exercise. Focus on high interval, interval high high impact interval training. Do squats. All kinds of things that just you know allow your body to not adapt and and kind of shock it over time. So,
1: yeah, several key points there. I think I'm a big proponent. This is one of my soap boxes of the importance of sun exposure and obviously not to the point of damaging your skin, but getting out. My, my key times are immediately after waking up to signal all the important hormone cascade that comes from early morning sunlight. And people often underestimate how big of a difference this can make when we're talking about hormones because it affects cortisol, which is a master hormone. It also affects light signaling. It affects your circadian patterns and all of those come into play with your body and production of all of your sex hormones and everything else. And you also mentioned reducing plastics, which is is another big topic for me as well. Um, I also always put sleep on the list because if you're not sleeping, you're not going to have optimal hormones, period. And then I love the idea of also resistance training and lifting heavy things, especially for women. I feel like at least for guys, there's more of a focus on that. And women are often tend to shy away from the really heavy weights. But I think that's a really critical piece for, for both men and women. Another topic that I know you have some expertise in and I would love to learn from you on today is the topic of peptides because these have become somewhat of a buzzword lately. I'd love for you to start broad and explain what peptides are and then maybe let's go into some of the roles they play in this bigger conversation.
0: Sure. Peptides flowing through our body naturally. We have 7,000 of them. If your audience is a little baffled on peptides, these are a little bit more than what you throw in your your shake or your coffee. Um, These are short chain of amino acids. The stepping stones for proteins—they are extremely, extremely powerful. I, I like to say a lot of uh, low risk, high reward peptides. Unlike hormones, are very, very focused in what they can solve. You have peptides that can solve weight issues, mental issues, growth hormone issues, um, just overall stress. Uh, peptides, I think, are you know the next big thing in healthcare. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't even realize is insulin, something that our body relies on every day. And especially if you're type one, type two diabetic, uh, insulin is the peptide It's so it's the world's most largely produced peptide. And I, I'm i I'm very, very bullish on, on where peptides are going as a whole. I take them on a regular basis and they've changed my life.
1: Are you open to sharing some of the ones you've experimented with and Absolutely. Take regularly?
0: Yeah, no, I, um, there, there's. Uh, quite a few peptides I take, uh, BPC-157 is something that's for gut health and inflammation. I take that, uh, I kind of cycle on that, cycle off of it. Uh, I, I always take a growth hormone peptide, uh, and Sirmorlin, uh, one that I take, I've been taking on a, on a lower dose is semaglutide. It's a GLP-1 medication that has just kind of taken the U.S. by storm. There's actually a global shortage on this medication. And why? Because it works. It's for weight loss. It slows down the digestive tract. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal drug. It's FDA approved. And then I take one for mental health uh, called c It's a nootropic peptide that helps with anxiety and stress and just that neurocognition, so...
1: And are you taking these orally or injecting? I know like BPC, for instance, there's is, is oral and injectable. Some are only injectable. Do you see a difference as far as how effective they are with one type versus the other?
0: Yeah, there's definitely studies that show certain efficacy between some over the other. We always kind of make it patient dependent. I mean, some, some people just are simply not comfortable with needles. Uh, and then maybe oral is your best option. But we, we find a lot of patients do extremely well with oral options. I would say half a minor oral, half a minor injections, the, the beauty of peptides in most instances, when you're injecting, you're using a very, very small 3129 gauge insulin needle. So you barely even feel it most of the time. Uh, and, and a little bit goes to a long ways. We, we often get patients calling us saying, Hey, I don't think I have enough in here, but you know, for example, semaglutide, you know, 10 units of that, which is a minuscule amount, can really, really affect the body.
1: And I've experimented with these some as well. And I noticed, especially with the injectable ones, the effects seem to be extremely rapid. And where a lot of supplements, you might have to take them for a while before you notice an effect. These seem to have a very noticeable, almost immediate effect. And most of our listeners today are women. So I would love to hear from you specifics on for women hormone optimization, if there are particular peptides that can be helpful, if there are uh, lifestyle factors you recommend or supplements, as well as um, maybe let's talk about women and testosterone, because I feel like women often don't think about optimizing their testosterone, but it seems like this can be a big piece.
0: Yeah, no, it's I'm glad you brought that up. Number 1, testosterone is a phenomenal drug for women, uh, just like men. They need to be in an optimal range and one of our medical advisors, Dr. Melissa Lowski, who's been practicing in the hormone space for, you know, 15 years and she's a well-known figure. I ask her every time, what's your favorite drug for women in optimization? She says testosterone. Testosterone. Testosterone, it is by far one of the biggest catalysts for us, and, and it's one of the biggest ones that shows pretty rapid change, but but very balanced change. And we think women should be somewhere between 100 and 300 nanograms per deciliter when it comes to an optimal range. And it's one of the ones that's neglected. There's no FDA approved indication for women and testosterone, and and I'm still kind of baffled at this one. I think it shows how how much we we are evolving and women's health and hormone health and and we're still not there but it's something that I think we need to get an FDA approved indication for women on the peptide side same thing as men listen as 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 we age men and women Things change. Growth hormone changes. I love growth hormones uh, for women from an anti-aging standpoint, from a skin elasticity standpoint. Uh, I love, love, love semaglutide for any woman who's trying to uh, improve, you know, their weight. It helps with a lot of things outside of just weight, blood pressure, heart rate, you know, waist size. There's so many good things about semaglutide, and you know, the obvious is, you know, if you stay on that drug for anywhere from six months to a year, most patients lose anywhere from ten to fifteen percent of their body weight.
1: And I know after a statement like that, we're going to get this question. Is this something that you can work with people on that? I can say then I'll, I'll put your website, of course, in the show notes, but I'm sure we're going to have people asking, where do you get this? How can I get this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll give your audience the. the, the it's an absolute yes, we can help. I think more importantly for your audience, if they are seeking out Simaglutide or any one of the name brand medications, you know, such as Wagovi or Trulicity, make sure it's coming from the right source. I'm starting to see a lot of noise in the industry and a lot of people doing cash grabs and make sure it's coming from a compounding pharmacy or make sure you're getting the name branded version and you're under medical supervision. Like you said, and like you mentioned, uh, you know, these these things can, can affect you pretty quickly. Semaglutide is an extremely, extremely powerful peptide, and and if you don't take it under medical supervision, or you're taking it the wrong way, it can really lead to really bad acid reflux, heart rate variability. You won't be able to sleep. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that you want under medical supervision. But yes, we can take care of your audience for sure.
1: And that's an important caveat for any of this conversation: is do all of these things under the guidance of a medical professional who knows what they're doing. And also I always tell people be your own primary healthcare provider and be well-researched and look into the pros and cons yourself. Have a good picture of this before you even ask the questions. I very firmly believe the best outcomes happen when we have informed patients working with doctors and practitioners who have specific knowledge in very specific areas. And you mentioned testosterone being one of the most impactful things that women can do. What's the delivery method for something like testosterone?
0: Well, right now there's, there's quite a few pellet therapy. That's a very common one for women. I, I'm, you know, I'm 50, 50 on pellet therapy. I think it works really, really well. The other is injections, just like men, because you're doing a lot less. We often have women do subcutaneous injections, oftentimes twice a week. The great thing about an injection for women with testosterone is you can control that dosage really well based off of symptomatic feedback, based off the of labs, Certainly last and not least is trochee you know, something that dissolves under your tongue and cream. But my wife is, has been on a healthy dose of testosterone for almost a year and a half now. Um, ever since she stopped breastfeeding, she takes injections twice a week and she loves it.
1: That's something that's been on my list to actually look into a little bit more. I have done one time in the past when I was in the thick of Hashimoto's before I recovered, my hormones were incredibly low and they said like dangerous level. So I did the pellets of testosterone in small amount um, and they apparently discovered I'm a pretty fast, I guess, metabolizer absorber of that. So I got a big influx of testosterone all in one day. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, do guys feel like this all the time? Because I wanted to punch a wall i would never in my life (laughs) thought to punch a wall
0: (laughs) (laughs) well mood swings is something that's usually a a symptom of not optimal testosterone so maybe your body was reacting differently uh i will tell you with pellets it's a one-size-fits-all method right once that thing's injected or once it's inserted there there's kind of no turning back that's why i love injections so much because we're oftentimes increasing doses every two weeks. And, you know, we incorporate a ton of different lab panels to ensure that you're getting the right dose, you're feeling the right way, because the last thing you want to do is, is get into any type of hormone optimization and feel crappier, you know? So uh, I think it's important for your viewers to know there's other options than just pellet therapy.
1: And another part of the conversation that I feel like comes into play when we're talking about some of these things is anti-aging. And this is a top of mind topic. It's become more so for me as I've gotten older. And I know a lot of my listeners, that's top of mind for them as well. And so I also love to talk about like the deep cellular side of anti-aging because I think the mainstream conversation focuses on topical or things, injectable things like Botox or things that are kind of treating surface level. Whereas my theory has always been that aging is a cellular process. And we want to actually be looking at the cells of our body are are the kind of the foundational things. And that what we see in our skin or our hair or whatever is an expression of what's going on at a deeper level. But I would love to hear your take on this. And if there's anything you found that actually really meaningfully works in slowing aging.
0: Yeah, I. this is a hot topic right now, the whole anti-aging push. And, you know, we talk about this oftentimes with our patients, you know, longevity and vitality. I think they go hand in hand. What we provide a lot of is vitality. And I think patients have the ability to make better decisions for longevity, but they, they're, they're interwoven, Um, you know, anytime you can slow down your metabolic rate, you're, you're slowing down that aging process. Anytime you control your caloric intake, you're slowing down that aging process, you know, eating healthier, working out more, you talked about it earlier. Getting out in the sunshine is so important for longevity and vitality. And, you know, something that we tell our patients every day go outside right away, first thing in the morning, not necessarily look at the sun, but be in some like, get that exposure. Those are all things to, to help with vitality and longevity.
1: Yeah. And I think there's also the nuance to the conversation of aging slowly and gracefully versus trying not to age at all, which looking slightly older is actually a normal thing as we get slightly older. And I had to realize that too, of like, I'm not trying to look 20 anymore when I'm, you know, have a 16 year old son and have six kids. I want to age gracefully for the age that I am. And and more importantly, keep my body functioning and feeling as healthy as possible. So that hopefully when I have great grandkids, I'm still outside playing with them. And I love, I think this does take a more um, kind of root cause holistic approach when you're thinking of it that way versus I want to look like I'm 20, because you're going to address all the root cause stuff. And um, you mentioned caloric restriction. I love this topic because I've talked quite a bit about time-restricted eating, and I've had Dr. Sachin Panda on here. I think often that gets, for women at least, kind of tied into the dieting conversation, and it can have a lot of emotions attached to it. But there's so much cool science about how we know long-term that lowering your calorie intake increases longevity. That's, there's a very strong correlation there, but eating less food at every single meal takes a tremendous amount of willpower for a lot of people. And so Dr. Panda's work is that if you can even just shorten the window in which you're eating in a given day, a little bit, not even drastically, you can get a lot of these same cascades of benefit without feeling like you're eating less food because you've just shortened the amount of time that you're eating. So this is one thing I think that can be really helpful. Obviously you don't want to do it in such a narrow window. If you're female, that you're, creating stress hormone responses in the body and becoming counterproductive to what you want. But I found a lot of benefit from that, from hydration. And then to reiterate one more time, the sun, I think avoiding the sun too much has actually been a huge disservice to our generation. And I think appropriate sun exposure is a big factor in mitochondrial health and hormone health, and that we can benefit more from making sure we're getting that in a healthy range. But what would you add to that conversation?
0: No, I, I think you, you nailed it. I, I think, um, I think when people start talking about fasting, they kind of cringe, right? I look at fasting and and knowing your body and caloric restriction is is good, and it and it is kind of a bad word, but if you if you focus on on certain intervals of eating, it's so much easier to just manage. You know, I looked at you know anytime I've been in a diet mode and and just. You know, if I'm just eating loosely or not having snacks around, I'm eating everything, you know, so if you can manage that process and know your body, I think, I think you're going to have a lot better success, you know, and if you do have, you know, just really off hormones and you have a struggle with, with eating habits, you know, there are resources. I think semaglutide is a phenomenal option to control those cravings and appetite.
1: And as a follow-up to that, are there any supplements that you commonly recommend that I know that there's a lot of individualization and personalization in this area for every person, but are there things that on average or in large groups of people seem to be beneficial?
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems everybody's lacking uh, vitamin D. (laughs) You know, we always are suggesting uh, vitamin D. Uh, A lot of people lack B12. Those are all things that can help with energy levels and mood. We don't have supplements, but those are things that we are commonly telling our people to get on. Uh, Another thing right now that's really big is NAD Plus with uh, cellular function. Uh, We prescribe that on a regular basis. That seems to give people a lot of energy boost, helps with skin elasticity, cellularity. Um, Those are probably our most common things.
1: I uh, did an experiment on myself with uh, IV NAD. And I definitely noticed a benefit from it. And I did a cycle of it where I was doing the slow IV that took us several hours. And then I had heard, I think it was Ben Greenfield had done basically a push IV of it. And I was like, well, if Ben can do it, I'm sure I can do it. And did that. And it was one of the l- less comfortable experiences of my life. So I definitely wouldn't recommend push <laughs> IVing that for anybody listening. I, They're like, yeah, if you ever feel like this, you're having a heart attack. And I was like, okay, good to know. <laughs> but I think it can be really helpful. Just uh, another one of work with people who know what they're doing and do it the right way.
0: Yeah. Ben's a freak too, right? I mean, guys like him, they, they know their bodies really well. And, and there's this, this push in the community of who can do it the fastest. Uh, for me, I just do simple injections. I do subcutaneous injections of an ADU, anywhere from 100 to 300 milligrams. It, it gives you a little bit of jolt if you haven't done it, but it gives me a ton, a ton of energy and just a lot of mental focus and clarity throughout the rest of the day and the week.
1: Yeah. I stick to those. now after that, I think I did the entire dose that they would normally do in an IV in about 20 seconds. And wow. I've had babies naturally, and that was pretty high up oh. things. I don't want to repeat ever. So
0: <laughs> I believe it. And you know, it's funny. A lot of people feel paralyzed when that happens. Like they can't move and they'd stiffen up and that's not a good feeling.
1: Not at all. Yeah. I was in fetal position on the floor for a few minutes oh. for sure. Ouch this podcast is sponsored by wellness that's wellness with an e on the end which is my new personal care line of hair care oral care and now deodorant our newest product that i'm so excited about is our all-natural deodorant that's built on my recipe that i have shared on the blog and have been using for over a decade it works better than conventional alternatives without the harmful chemicals or the poor clogging junk But unlike many natural brands, we make sure to use the exact right balance of natural odor blockers so that you get the protection you want without any irritation, itching, or annoying rashes. We formulated it with only EWG-safe ingredients and it's EWG and B Corp certified, meaning it's a safe, natural, and effective solution for the whole family. We also have hair care, including shampoo, conditioner, and dry shampoo, as well as a full oral health line, including three types of toothpaste, toothbrushes, and now floss. Check these at all of our amazing products out at wellness.com. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-E.com. This episode is sponsored by Native Path, and in particular, their grass-fed collagen, which is my go-to right now. I like using collagen because it helps replenish the body's natural collagen levels, which can decline with age, and our modern diets are often low, in these important compounds found in collagen that we used to get in larger amounts from natural sources like broths. Collagen is great because it's a super convenient and easy way to get these benefits. It's flavorless and it dissolves easily in hot or cold liquids. So it's easy to add to coffee, soup, smoothies, or really any food or drink. And every scoop of Native Path grass-fed collagen is consistently formulated with 10 grams of the highest quality grass-fed type 1 and type 3 collagen, which are the ones that make up 90% of all the collagen in our bodies, which is critical for maintaining skin, hair, nails, lean muscle metabolism, digestion, and so much more. So check out a special deal on Native Path grass-fed collagen by going to wellnessmama.com go native collagen. Again, that's wellnessmama.com go native collagen. Well, like I said, a lot of our listeners are female and a lot of them have been kind of following my journey and going on this journey with me of moving past health problems and now into trying to really optimize health. And I'm now in a phase of my own life where I'm training for a pentathlon and kind of becoming an athlete for the first time in my life. So I'm curious if there are any other factors that you would recommend specific to women that can really help optimize on any of these fronts or things that just aren't parts of the mainstream normal conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we talked about a lot of those things for men, but you know, healthy, healthy habits, knowing that you're doing good and eliminating the bad. Uh, I mean, we say that and it it seems like, you know, such a, a soft thing, but it's huge. Like if, you know, if you're going out too much and you're drinking, you're eating crappy foods, you know, what you're putting in your body, just know that, um, you know, more good is better than less, you know, exercise, we talked about, you know, women doing a lot of weight training. That's huge for women, boosting that testosterone. We see, I would say if we saw, you know, 10, 10 women, female patients at joy, I would say nine out of 10 of them are lacking, what we would consider optimized testosterone. So once again, getting those baseline checks, a lot of women are feeling low energy, very fatigued, you know, lack of mental clarity. And a lot of that can be solved just through hormone optimization.
1: Yeah, I noticed a drastic difference in my energy levels when I started eating enough protein. So I realized as a woman, I was drastically under eating protein, but thinking I was actually consuming enough protein. And when I tracked it, I realized I was not even probably hitting enough for maintenance level of metabolic function. And so, really increasing my protein helped a lot. And then I added pretty heavy weightlifting to that. And I had always kind of, when I was younger, been in that camp of uh, women aren't supposed to lift heavy weights, so you don't get bulky. And it's funny now to me to even think that I thought that because I've noticed lifting heavier weights, I've gotten leaner and my body shape has changed, but I certainly didn't get bulky. Um, And I recently was able to um, split squat. 345 pounds. So I'm like lifting pretty substantially Whoa. and not getting bulky. So I, I wow. always give that encouragement to women. You mentioned um, baseline labs. What, is, what are some of the things you guys put on a normal, like everyone should keep track of these baseline labs?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, CBCs, CMP, there's so much uh, good things with just basic markers, like a CB, CBC and a CMP uh, that can tell you a lot about a patient's health for men and women, estrogen and testosterone for men, PSA is always something that we want to be checking on a regular basis Uh, for women, progesterone, and then once again, estrogen, those are all really good markers that you should be checking on a regular basis. And unfortunately, you're probably not getting that from your standard family medicine doc or your primary care doc. A lot of doctors now practice medicine based off of what insurance is going to cover, and it's called reactive testing. So they'll run one or two markers. And if something's off, then they'll run multiple markers beyond that. But they're oftentimes not going to give you what I would consider a full baseline lab.
1: Got it. And also you guys, you run companies, you have blokes and also I believe joy is the female version. Can you explain what those are and what you guys do?
0: Yeah. Blokes.co is, is our website focus on hormone optimization, prescription, peptide therapy, hair loss, uh, weight loss, the same thing for men it's choosejoy.co hormone optimization for women, prescription peptides that focus on weight loss, anti-aging, sex, uh, skin elasticity, the whole nine yards. Uh, And we're growing and uh, we're expanding as we speak. And we're going to be doing a lot of great things
1: these kind of things excite me a lot because I think a part of the thing that we've run into in the past is people like for me as a thyroid patient, I had researched and figured out, I was pretty sure what was going on, but it was difficult to find a practitioner who was knowledgeable, who was willing to work with me and try the stuff I wanted to try. And it's like, I'm really excited that people can now find, more customized solutions like you guys who are taking the whole patient into account and who are knowledgeable about some of these cutting-edge therapies and about hormones, which seems to be one that I hear a whole lot about from women right now. And like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, we know that hormone-related issues are on the rise um, for men, but also for women. And so I think this is a very, very timely and important thing that you guys are doing.
0: Absolutely. I We this is, this is our jam. We're an inch wide, a mile deep when it comes to hormones, op- hormone optimization, and it should be a, a front and center topic.
1: And a few other questions related to that, that I would love to get your take on the first being what your personal eighty twenty 20 is when it comes to your own health, what are your non-negotiables that you do all the time that you think have the biggest impact for your
0: health? Well, number one, now it's, it's uh, testosterone. It, it's something that changed my life. It saved my marriage eating healthy is something that's very important to me. And then I have to at least get out in the sun at least two, three days a week where I'm doing something. My wife and I, we love to play pickleball. Uh, and then certainly not, last not least, I I I still like to get in the gym and throw weights around. Those are kind of my non-negotiables. So every once in a while, I, you, you have to cheat just like everybody else, uh, but you got to get right back on the bike uh, after you've done doing that.
1: Yeah. I'm actually now, I think, like I don't even use the word cheap but I think like deviating from the plan at times actually helps you stay adaptable and if it's just an at times and not a normal thing I think it can actually be beneficial to the body to do that sometimes rather than getting our body so used to only one. And I even um, don't take any supplement every single day. I have a rule to cycle everything just because my goal is metabolic adaptability. I also love that we've talked about the sunshine again. We actually moved to where we live specifically for one of the major reasons was for year-round sun exposure, because I think that is so important. Um, And you mentioned at the beginning that you have kids as well. So I'm curious if there are any specifics that you have, you and your wife, for raising healthy kids.
0: Well, my wife is the uh, captain of that boat, and I'm very fortunate, but I don't think my kids have put anything in their body that is not organic. I mean, we even go as far to give them goat milk because it's easier to process, you know, eating healthy is such a big catalyst and, you know, there's so many things that, that tie to kids health, you know, gut health is something that's extremely important. Uh, we give our kids probiotics, we give them vitamins, we give them supplements on a regular basis. But my wife is so phenomenal at that ensuring that what's going in their body is as good as what we're putting in our body.
1: Absolutely. That's been my approach as well. And realizing just how capable kids are of understanding, even from a young age. And so making sure I just educated them without fear or any kind of negativity, but just educated them about how foods affect your body in different ways. And it's been fun to see now that my older ones are teenagers, how they've really taken ownership for that. And I don't restrict their food when they're not in my house. I just cook healthy at home and they choose to follow because that's what their bodies are used to. And that's how they feel good. And I think often we don't give kids enough credit when we give them things like kids' menus that are all junk food and assume that's all they're going to want to eat because they're so amazingly capable of learning and understanding at such a young age.
0: Totally. And, and you know what? Make it fun. Make it a lot of fun for them. We are on the tail end of a heavy metal detox for our kiddos. And we have a one and a half year old boy and a four and a half year old girl. And they both love it at the end of the night. We, we give them their, their little spray and you know we're almost done with it, but we've made it fun. And when you make it fun for them, it, it's just you know, it's just part of the game. It's part of, it's part of living.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a valuable lesson from kids is do that for yourself too. If you're trying to improve your health, gamify it and make it fun. Don't make it the mindset about restriction or about what you can't have or about depriving yourself or thinking that you're punishing yourself into looking or feeling a certain way, but make it fun and make it game oriented and goal oriented and do that for yourself as well. Absolutely. Another question I love to ask is if there is a book or a number of books that have profoundly impacted your life and if so, what they are and why.
0: It, it might It might sound a little weird, but'm even though I'm in healthcare, I'm, I'm a big believer uh, in economics and any any of the Malcolm Gladwell series is my go-to. Uh, I've read them all at least a few times. Uh, I love to know why there's an action and then there's a reaction and then the same thing goes with the body. you know so I think that's why those, those are my book of books of choice that I, I read. and then every once in a while it's just something in healthcare.
1: I really enjoy his books as well. I'll link to those in the show notes as well as to blog so good, to choose joy. Um, so you guys can find those and keep learning more. I know you have resources available online as well. So you guys can check those out. And then lastly, any parting advice for the listeners today that could be related to something we've talked about or entirely unrelated?
0: I think you nailed uh, something that I, I give our viewers all the time, own your own health journey and, and own your own success, whether that be, you know, an entrepreneur type route, a business route and, and health should be the same way, you know, know that, you know, there's a lot of noise as a consumer. It's even sometimes hard for me to navigate uh, through so much noise with so much advertisement and marketing, but own that journey, find, find the right practitioner for you. Cause there's one out there for everybody uh, and do some research.
1: Awesome. Well, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up for today. Thank you so much for your time. I'm glad we got to go deep on some of these more fun kind of sciencey topics that I haven't gotten to talk about much. And I learned a lot. I know our listeners did too. So thank you for being here.
0: You bet. Thank you so much, Katie.
1: And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you'll join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast.